This is an AMI podcast. You're listening to the Kitchen Confession Podcast with Chef Mary Mammoliti. What makes up a superfood? It's just basically, it's because it's a concentrated form of nutrition. I think that's why it's called a superfood. It's like you can take one teaspoon of this superfood and it, it provides a lot of nutrition, like a lot coming out tiny little bits. So I think that's why. Um, and they're just super healing. Read about them and see what they do because they all offer very different benefits. By all means, maybe just go to your local health food store and get, ask for a sample of it and be like, okay, I want to try spirulina. I've never tried it before. Let me see what this is all about. Chaga is really good for the immune system. Lion's mane is really good for brain function. So different ones that you can like rotate with. My cooking style is find ways to include the most amount of nutrients into one meal as possible. I'm Mary Mammoliti and you're listening to the Kitchen Confession Podcast. Today I'm speaking with Annie. She's a holistic nutritionist that's passionate about using food as a way to heal. Hey Annie. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? Welcome. Good. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Maybe we should start with telling everyone a little bit about you, Annie. Maybe even help us understand the difference between holistic nutritionist and maybe naturopath. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a question that a lot of people tend to ask because they don't exactly know what a holistic nutritionist does. Um, so just to give a little bit about myself, my background is actually in science. I had a passion for the human body and just how it functioned just all through like my teen years. And I really wanted to pursue that in school. And then after doing four years of university, I was like, I don't know if, um, you know, another four years of med school plus, you know, doing your residency, all that stuff was really for me. So I moved on to actually marketing, which is a complete switch. And then I found my way back to actually the human body. And just, I have always had a passion for nutrition because I've been an athlete my whole life and I've always been into food and finding ways to fuel the body. So getting into holistic nutritionist into holistic nutrition was a great way and a segue from science into the nutrition realm, but using it from a natural standpoint. So as a holistic nutritionist, we look at the human as a whole. So we take into account not only the person's diet, but their stress levels, how they're sleeping, their spiritual, their soul, everything is kind of all encompassing with, with, the, with an individual. So we take all of those factors into account when creating a protocol or a diet plan for their specific individual needs. Mm-hmm. Um, a naturopath, I think, is a little bit more. They they do all, they believe in all the same stuff. I think they're just they study a lot longer than we do, and um, but they do parallel with us. They you know supplementation, which we do as well. But they are they are a certified doctor in that sense, so they just they, they're more in depth with it. So we could definitely work side by side. I actually work at a naturopath clinic, and it's one of those things where she'll see clients, and then when it comes to the dietary aspect, she's like, absolutely take on that role. You can you can totally do this. So they call each other very, very much so. They definitely do. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and then I guess the other kind of thing is naturopaths generally are covered by insurance and unfortunately holistic nutritionists were not there yet, but I think there's just, there is more awareness coming to this whole industry um, just in general with the media, with people becoming a lot more aware of what they are putting in their bodies and just kind of finding natural methods, you know, to um, medicine, which I believe we do need Western medicine 100%. We need doctors and we need that, but I think a lot of things can can be helped or cured natural, like with natural methods um, without having to always use medication as an option. Well, I mean, now that you mentioned that, so with all the new health trends that are out there now, who researched them? Like, how does this even get started? <laughs> well, I think, and I think that's where a lot of stuff you have to take with a grain of salt because it's a lot of stuff is very, you know, media driven and it's just, it's, it's, 
you have to look at where the research is coming from. So that becomes something you have to do on your own. You have to look at the research and like, if a new trend comes out, yeah, you can read it on the, you know, front page of Instagram or whatever. And you have to actually like, you know, when you go to Google and you're going to look into it, you can't just find the first you know, article that pops up, you have to go on to scientific journals and see, okay, is there evidence-based research behind this trend? Some of them are, could just be, you know, millions of years of like, people have been doing this, so it's kind of just become accepted, you know, but some of it is becoming a lot more new age and kind of, okay, we need to actually find out how many studies have been done. Has this been a long-term study? Like how many, you know, how validated are these papers? So you have to kind of do that research for yourself um, Mm -hmm. when it comes to that. So I know a lot of times when you when you kind of fall, like I follow a lot of different bloggers and different websites and different nutritionists that post a lot of these articles on the new health trends and they will do a lot of that research too. And they'll say like, I've, they spent hours researching all the different PubMed articles and then they come to their own conclusions. So it's, it's also on an individual basis, what you think and what you want to believe as well. Do you think a lot of it is trial and error? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So when it comes to like, you know, superfoods, for example, as we talk about health trends, um, a lot of it has to be, you have to look into your own health issues. You can't just read something and be like, oh, I need to try this because it's it's claiming to make me a superhuman. It's like, well, no, if you've got X, Y, and Z health issues going on, this actually may be more detrimental to what you're trying to cure. So you have to absolutely do your own research as to what is going to work with you and your body. And, and, and that sometimes does mean working with a healthcare, a natural healthcare practitioner. The first game we're going to play is this or that. Morning or evening? Morning. Burger or hot dog? Burger. Netflix or cable? Netflix. What's worse, laundry or dishes? Oh, dishes. <laughs> See, me, it's laundry. <laughs> Really? I'm surprised. All the cooking that we do, like, I don't know. I feel like I'm forever washing dishes. It's like you get all excited and you create all the stuff in the kitchen. You're like, oh my God, you have to consistently wash dishes. Like, okay, toilet paper, over or under? Over. (laughs) Funny enough, side note, I actually did a a Twitter poll on that long time ago. (laughs) So did I. Like, I legit asked people on Twitter, I think this is probably like going back eight years ago now, like (laughs) what people choose, because that's like, it's a big thing. It's like a deal breaker. Like, I can't, I can't live without her. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What makes up a superfood? I think that it's just basically, it's because it's a concentrated form of nutrition. I think that's why it's called a superfood is that it's just this very concentrated form of, of healthy vitamins, minerals, or whatever it is that this superfood is trying to attain for, for your health. And it's just in a concentrated form. So it's like you can take one teaspoon of this superfood and it, it provides a lot of nutrition, like a lot coming up, tiny little bit. So I think that's why. Um, and they're just super healing. What are some superfoods that we can talk about? Like, would blueberries be considered a superfood? Like, I mean, I guess that's up for interpretation, right? Would I call it a superfood? Absolutely, because blueberries are fantastic. They are a great source of antioxidants, and it's a great fruit to consume because they are low on the glycemic index, and they do have a lot of antioxidants that fight the free radicals. So um, I would consider that a superfood, absolutely. I would consider any green vegetables a superfood because they each individually have their own um, like nutrients and minerals and vitamins that just create such a great environment for for 
health to thrive in the body. Um, you know, and like I said, you have to eat for what's going to work for you. So, you know, cruciferous vegetables are fantastic. They help detoxify the liver and they're super great to eat. But I mean, if you have thyroid issues, you might have to be a little wary sometimes with those veg- with those fruits and the, um, sorry, with those vegetables. But it's like anything in moderation, right? Like even if you're healthy, you shouldn't be eating a full head of kale every single day. Like you should rotate through your vegetables and and try to eat in season as well. And like, I think that's very important. I think that's what people lack is just food rotation. And I'm sure you see this as well. Mm-hmm. You know, we all, we're creatures of habit, right? We get stuck on eating the same things because we hear it's so great. You know, you hear like a superfood is so great or this, this new health craze of whatever food is next on the trend list. And it's like, need to be wary of that and be like, okay, yeah, it's great. I think it's just, it's being highlighted in that moment and it still is going to be a great food next year or the year from now. Like the nutritional value of a a piece of kale is not going to change in two years from now, but it became such a craze, you know, because everyone was using kale all of a sudden, right? The minute Dr. Oz puts it on his show, these things are (laughs) flying off the shelves, like jicama last year. Right, right. (laughs) I've been jicama for a while, but jicama suddenly last year, it was like people were just knocking each other out of the grocery store to grab the last jicama. (laughs) That's so funny. I know. I think it's because of this whole low carb trend too. So it's like people viewed it as like an alternative to maybe having like potatoes because it kind of resembles a potato. So I think that's probably why that became very popular. I mean, it's a a great vegetable. Absolutely. Um, But it's just funny how it becomes such a trend in that moment. Yeah. I mean, I was standing in front of the last one. I'm not kidding you. No joke. And this That's woman's like, so she's watching me. So I smiled. And then all of a sudden she's like, um, you're standing there. Are you going to take that last one? Because if not, I'll take it. That's thought, hilarious. Are you serious? Are we going to have to, you know, fist fight wow. and duke it out here? Like, I, I don't know wow. what was happening. <laughs> yeah. And I think the other issue is too, is people become bored of the food. When you kill, when you overdo it of like, you're eating it every day, suddenly then you get so sick of it and you never want to eat it again. So you want to also avoid that, right? Because you, you want to be able to love food and always bring good nutrition to you. You don't want to get sick of eating green vegetables because you're just overdoing it. So it's true. It's true. <laughs> You know, then you, yeah, then you revert back to the foods that you shouldn't be eating, which is, you know, it's natural, I think. (laughs) You know what? We tapped a little bit on on this. Do you think people in North America are micronutrient deficient? I I 100% think so. We live in a society where everything is so heavily processed. It's all about convenience. And honestly, I, I think it's just lack of awareness for a lot of people. I think we've just become so accustomed to this and this is what the media portrays to us. And like, this is what mm-hmm. we, we are like, you know, it's, 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 it's all about that going to the grocery store and picking up whatever's easiest and most convenient. Cause most people live a very fast paced, high stress, you know, life where they don't have time to really be considering their meal. So it's like, Oh, okay. So I heard this is low fat. This is healthy. This is healthy. So they buy a lot of this, this, these box products, which lack so many vitamins and minerals. And, you know, even though they say some of this stuff is enriched or whatever it's it's synthetically enriched it's not it's not the true nutrients that are coming from the soil that are in embedded in these fruits and vegetables right so um i think we definitely are lacking a lot of that if you are just eating a very conventional like you know diet without the awareness of what it is you need to put in your body to to fuel it to give it the proper nutrition probably one of the number one complaints amongst people is like, you know, they think, okay, I have to eat organic. So everything has to be organic or I have to completely change everything now. It's like, well, no, let's start with small steps first of all. So I think, um, a good guide that I give to a lot of people is, um, the, the clean 15 and the dirty dozen. So it's a list that is put out every year of the, um, the top 15 foods of the clean 15 that are safe to consume, um, 
conventionally grown, meaning that they aren't heavily sprayed, um, they aren't genetically as genetically modified, that they're more safe to eat than if you are going to choose to buy conventional produce. Now, the Dirty Dozen is a list of 12 foods that, as the name implies, are very heavily sprayed, um, generally always um, genetically modified, and just you should really, really try if you can and if it's feasible for mm-hmm. you to buy organic. Because at the end of the day, if you're trying to achieve health, you don't want to be eating like, okay, you're like, you change your diet, you're eating healthy, which is, that is a great step. And like I said, baby steps, but um, you don't want to be adding back in those toxins that you're now getting from your food. So you might be eating um, like all these healthy foods, but then if they're just like laden with all these herbicides and pesticides, you're now putting that that toxicity back into your body that you're trying to get rid of, right? right? So it's just being mindful of that. And even if it's, you can only buy one thing, it's like, you know, even if you can, okay, you know what I eat, for example, I think strawberries, I don't know if they're still at the top of the list, but they have been at the top of the list for a while. Uh, I think there's over 40 herbicides and pesticides found on conventionally grown strawberries. So like that's a lot. So if you're eating a lot of strawberries, especially in the summer months when they are more available, um, if you're eating them like on a weekly basis or a daily basis, you definitely want to try and aim to buy them organic or like the best option actually in the summer and spring is to buy local when you have local produce available to us at farmer's markets. Mm Because generally a lot of local farms, um, even though they may not be certified as organic because to be certified as organic, is it's quite the process and it's very costly. So a lot of these small farms won't go through that, but they actually do practice organic um, farming methods. They will you know, grow their stuff with very minimal herbicides and pesticides. They grow natural. They're not GMO. They use good source soil. Um, if they have animals at their farm, they're treating their animals very well. They're ethically raised. So it is good to, to be able to buy local when it is accessible to you. I thought I heard angels singing when you mentioned these lists to me. Where do I, <laughs> where do I find these magical lists of clean 15 and dirty dozen? Honestly, you just Google it. It's the environmental working group that puts it out. So I think it's ewg.com. I, I don't know the exact website, but yeah, just Google it. Dirty 15. Um, yeah, the, yeah sorry, that, the could dirty... open, that could open up a couple of websites you don't want to open up <laughs> well maybe put environmental working group there we go dirty dozen list <laughs> make sure <laughs> i'm mary mamaliti and you're listening to the kitchen confession podcast today we're talking to annie about power foods she's a holistic nutritionist that's passionate about using food as a way to heal ashwagandha chaga I mean, aside from having really, really cool names, what, <laughs> what does that stuff do for you? Because I see it all over. Like, I mean, I do a lot of cooking, a lot of, but some of the stuff I just get lost in it. Like, what is spirulina supposed to do for you? Uh, it, it provides, it's just like a very concentrated source of like iron, protein. It's really good for vegans um, because it's just like, it comes from this, the ocean. It's just a very naturally occurring thing that co- comes from the ocean. So it's very high in iron. It's an algae, right? And protein. Yeah. It's, it's, it, yeah. Yeah. So like I guess I know it's very high in iron and protein. It obviously carries a lot of other nutrients within it, within it. I'm assuming iodine, um, things like that. Ashwagandha is actually, it's, it's a really good herb, but once again, you have to be able to, to take that according to what you're trying to achieve with your own, with your own health issues. So, um, chaga is a medicinal mushroom. Um, like mushrooms are great in so many ways. And because they are a whole food, you can't really go wrong with it unless you have an allergy. That's the other thing to consider too. (laughs) Unless you have some sort of allergy, you know, you can't really 
kill yourself with foods unless you, you are deathly allergic, but foods are, you know, you can't go wrong with it. So if you're eating a whole food or when it comes to the mushrooms, I know a lot of them are in powdered form or they come in capsules. Um, absolutely. I, I would say absolutely. Chaga is really good for the immune system. So, you know, I definitely in the, in the wintertime, especially I'll brew a big pot of it and just have it every single day. And, you know, cause Chaga is there caffeine in any of these? No, the mushrooms, medicinal mushrooms, no. They do sell the mushroom coffee, um, which does have caffeine in it. Um, mm-hmm. But they have, it's, 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 claims to have less caffeine than a regular cup of coffee. Um, but it also has the healing powers of these mushrooms. So if you want to do your research on the mushrooms, like look up each individual mushroom and read about them and see what they do. Because they all offer very different benefits. But I know chaga is really good for the immune system. Uh, lion's mane is really good for brain function. So the different ones that you can like rotate with. I'm glad you brought up um, allergies to yeah. some of these items because we were talking we just tapped into bee pollen yeah so everyone knows about bee pollen if you haven't you're going to hear about it, it it's been <laughs> yeah it's it's everywhere um and i went to go get a smoothie one day and they're like do you want bee pollen in it i've never had it but i asked them a couple of questions and the person serving me couldn't answer them right which was right. shocking to me um so turns out that bee pollen which i found out later is if you have seasonal allergies, it can actually trigger the effects of seasonal allergies. Yeah, no, absolutely. So that's another thing you got to be wary of, right? Like, for example, yeah, you hear all about bee pollen, how great it is. And like, I personally use bee pollen. I do remember the first time I did take it, it did give me a bit of an itchy throat. I'm like, oh, am I, do I have an allergy to this? I, and I do take it that's now. That's what and happened I, to I, me. Yeah, I do take it now and I'm okay with it because your body can change and you can outgrow allergies, especially like seasonal ones. Like I know they can kind of go in seven year cycles, but that's right. um, yeah. So if, if you know you have a severe allergy to bees or whatever, absolutely do not take bee pollen, you know? Um, um, but if you, you know, if you think that, okay, like, I think most people in life have been stung by a bee at some point, but um, I think you would know if you have a, a pretty bad allergy to it. So, you know, and if you're, if you're very caught, if you're very unsure, then just don't take it. You know, it's not, you're not really losing out on not by it, not having bee pollen. There's so many other things out there that you can do to benefit your health without having to take one specific superfood if you're not sure. Okay. We're going to move on to rapid fire. If you could have a superfood power, which would you choose? A superfood power? Yeah. Oh my goodness. I would have to say just like like to, to not age, like to live forever and not age. <laughs> oh, that would be beautiful. Like I don't I'm with you on older. that one. I just don't want to look like I'm getting older. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't want my body to feel like I'm getting older. I just want to like stay youthful forever. <laughs> Well, I know you like to eat healthy, but is there something that you can't resist on your cheat day? Oh, I, I sugar. Like I am like, I love chocolate. It's so bad. And I know all the bad effects of sugar, refined sugar that is, but I just, I have such a sweet tooth and I'm, I work so hard, so hard at curbing (laughs) that, but some days I just, it gets the better of me and it's just, yeah. (laughs) What technique are you currently trying to master in the kitchen? Recipe creation. Favorite ingredient to cook with? Ooh, that's a hard one because there's so many I could list. Um, my favorite ingredient to cook. And it's supposed to be rapid fire and here I am taking my time. <laughs> oh my goodness. I don't even have an answer for that. I'm trying to think. Um, okay, which one are you most afraid of ingredient? I mean, I don't, I don't like cilantro. I hate cilantro. So I think I'm definitely afraid of it. <laughs> oh, I'm with you on that. Yeah, yeah. No, Fav- I don't even want to touch it. Yeah, favorite snack. <laughs> Say like coconut yogurt and fruit. Oh, okay. Music in the kitchen. Yes. 
what music? Um, I listen to all different kinds depending on my mood. I like anything that's like uplifting. Sometimes I like some good jazz music. You know, it really depends on the vibe you're feeling in the kitchen that day. Justin Timberlake brought sexy back. What would you bring back? <laughs> Honestly, I always said I would love to live through the 50s. Like I love the nostalgia of it. And I love going like the drive-in. And I just love the simplicity of that era. I think it would be something, you know, the good parts of it, that is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so I, I, could, I could do that. Like, I would love to bring back, yeah, like those like uh, outdoor restaurants where they like roller skate up to your car. <laughs> I mean, I've funny, that's what I pictured it, but... right now. <laughs> yeah, I think they have some of those in the States, but I would love to like that to be like an everyday thing. It'd be kind of cool. How did you get started? Because I do know that you love to cook. You mentioned to me before. Yes. How did you get started within the kitchen? So I think I've, um, I mean, obviously when you go, when you go to university, first of all, you're kind of forced yeah. to learn how to cook. So that was step one back in the day. And then I think just my, my, when I eventually went to school to do holistic nutrition, it just opened up this whole door of like, oh my goodness, like there's like endless possibilities of, of ways to heal yourself with food that, you know, I need to, I want to learn this. I want to try this. I want to experiment. And you start seeing all these different recipes and it's like, oh my God, I need, I need to do this. So it just kind of, you know, a little bit of self-talk a lot of YouTube, a lot of trial yeah. and error. And I think it just, you know, um, my background is Italian. So, you know, food is very, <laughs> very big in our culture. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's always been part of it as well is just always being surrounded by food and just the, the whole family aspect of food and just how food brings people together. But for me, it's finding alternative ways, of, like healthier ways of, of having that. Do you have a signature recipe that you could probably share with us? Um, I'm trying to think now because like I've been experimenting, like, especially now with this program that I'm in, I've been experimenting with so many different recipes. And actually, um, one of the assignments was to come up with our own sort of creation. Um, so there's this one recipe that I that I absolutely love. It's like a it's it's a I'm not vegan, but it is a vegan pad thai, mm -hmm. so it's friendly for vegans, which is great. But there's also the alternative to add in chicken or your own source of protein if you so choose to do so. That's what I like recipes that are versatile that you can do for, for anyone, like different needs. Like, so it doesn't have dairy in it. It doesn't have gluten in it. So it kind of covers all the common allergens. Um, and it is vegan. So yeah, it's a, it's a pad Thai recipe that includes a lot of quote unquote superfoods. Um, and then you can, like I said, customize it however you like. Maybe walk us through it. Like uh, give us an idea. So would so, you would you use the actual noodles? No. So this is this is where a lot of the substitutions come in, and 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 they're great substitutions because they taste so amazing. And maybe for someone who's used to eating regular all the time, like regular pad thai yeah. all the time, it might be a little bit of an adjustment, but it still tastes amazing. So I actually spiralized sweet potato for the noodles. Mm, I've done yeah. that. It's so good. And they're crunchy and they're so full yeah. of nutrients. And honestly, once you put the sauce on, I think it tastes great. And then if you really don't like the idea of sweet potato, there are options for, for healthier noodles. Um, like, you know, if you are gluten-free, there's gluten-free noodles, um, you know, quinoa noodles, whatever the case may be, like you can like honestly play around with that so many different ways, whatever suits your needs. I actually as well add in sometimes kelp noodles, which some people might be like, whoa, mm -hmm. but honestly, kelp noodles take on the flavor of whatever it is that you're, you're cooking it with. So you don't even know that you're eating like a, a seaweed. They don't taste like anything other than just like a noodle. So it's just a, a great way to add extra nutrition into it. So then I also add 
Um, I'll like do shredded cabbage in there, some red pepper, um, cauliflower, like small bite-sized cauliflower bites, some broccoli. And then the, the best part is the sauce. And the sauce, like the base of it is like almond butter. And if you're dealing with certain health issues, like I'll use like flax oil because it's a great source of healthy fats. Or you can, you know, you can use olive oil. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just got a lot of like, you know, and then there's like um, tamari in there, which is a fermented version of soy sauce, which is a healthier version to the regular soy sauce, you know, mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. So there's mm-hmm. so many all like so many switches you can make. Um, that- I do prefer the tamari over the soy sauce. Yeah, see, there you go. Because soy sauce is obviously, it's very, very high in sodium. Um, and I, I don't, for me, it tends to give me a headache. Um, yeah, it does. But it does. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, no, there's, like I said, a lot of these recipes, like typical recipes, you can find substitutions with. And then if you like peanuts, not to say that peanuts are bad, but if you prefer to have a different nut, chop up like, you know, some almonds or chop up some Brazil nuts and put them on top. And it still gives that nice crunchy texture and that nutty flavor that you might be missing with the peanuts or, you know, whatever. So there's like, there's alternatives. And then even with the almond butter in the sauce, you could sub that out for cashew butter. Or if people have a severe nut allergy, do sunflower seed butter, you know, there's, there's lots of alternatives to, to this. So if you had to describe your cooking style, what would that, what would it be? Um, my cooking style is like exactly how I described it, find ways to include the most amount of nutrients into one meal as possible. So I'm always finding alternatives, like whether it's topping my meal off with something or in the salads, I love like in the summertime, sorry, I love fresh salads because we have a garden. So I grow kale and all that stuff. So I literally fresh, like pick my greens fresh, but just adding the most amount of nutrients. So adding nuts, seeds, hemp hearts, whatever that as obviously flavors are going to work well together, but the most way, the most things you can kind of get away with that are super healthy with still tasting really good. So, um, yeah, like I, I tend to cook very, like fairly healthy, I'd like to say, um, and just finding those alternatives to all the foods that are not so great for us. <laughs> this is around the time when I ask my guests to share their kitchen confession with me. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> well, um, and it's funny because it's almost like I know better, but then I still did it anyways. So I was making the, the, you know, the trendy mushroom coffee and I put a bunch of like, you know, superfoods and stuff in there and I blend it up and I didn't want to get out my big Vitamix, which has a nice venting system because you can put very hot liquids in there. So mm-hmm. I decided to use my little mini magic bullet that I bought for small things like this. Well, oh, no. the hot water was a little too hot <laughs> and oh, I was blending it and I don't know if anyone knows what happens when you put hot hot water in a blender that doesn't have a ventilation system oh yeah it exploded like I'm talking blinds ceilings cupboards stove fridge you name it like I don't think it even ended up on the kitchen table like it was everywhere and I was like and uh, not to mention I was completely covered and this is as I'm getting ready to go to work it was quite it was quite the disaster (laughs) So, oh no, I'm so sorry. Yeah. I'm laughing. No, it, it's actually very funny. Cause you know what? Things like that, they can be cleaned up. It's a little annoying. Cause you still find like <sighs> remnants of it. Like months later, you're like, Oh, I guess I missed a spot. <laughs> like, you know, I think that's some coffee flaked on here. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know what? I'm lying because I'm that person that laughs when someone falls, including myself. Yeah. So I feel feel terrible, but I can't help myself. No, no, it is very funny. You can only laugh about these things because, you know, at the end of the day, it's it's what it is. And that's what's going to happen. It's always going to be a disaster in the kitchen of some sort. As long as no one ends up getting hurt, then, you know. Exactly. (laughs) That's hilarious. (laughs) Yeah. So lesson learned. Well, thank you for sharing that. No problem. I've since bought a a little handheld mixer frother. Frother, frother thing for that. So I don't have to bring out my whole blender every time, but I can mix up my yeah. 
Yeah. See, we live and learn. Thank you so much. You're welcome. You're welcome. This was a lot of fun and I've learned so much. Oh, I'm glad. That's great. That's all I want to do is just educate. I feel like, you know, we have so much knowledge and I just want to like share it with everyone and, you know. Well, that being said, so if someone wants to, if they have any questions for you, reach out to you. Do you want to let them know where they can find you? Absolutely. They can email me at um, kicksinthekitchen at gmail.com. I think you're probably going to post it, but it's mm-hmm. the word kicks, um, K-I-C-K-S, and then just the letter N. Uh, and the kitchen at gmail.com. Um, and that comes from, I know you're probably going to ask, uh, I have a ridiculous obsession with shoes and a ridiculous shoe collection. So it just kind of went because I'm, mm-hmm. you know, in the kitchen all the time. It's just it's my kicks, like my running shoes and the kitchen. It's that time. We've reached the end of another show. Be sure to visit kitchenconfession.com for more recipes and foodie finds. I'd like to thank producer and editor Matt Agnew, and I'm Mary Mamaliti. See you at the next episode.